Welcome to the Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment, with your host, Melinda Tuhus. Since 1970, Indigenous people and their allies have gathered on Thanksgiving Day, on so-called Thanksgiving Day, to commemorate the Day of Mourning and the losses they've suffered since the coming of the white colonizers. They have gathered on Coles Hill, overlooking Plymouth Harbor and Plymouth Rock, which they call Plymouth Pebble because it really is pretty small. Starting in 2021, the event has been live-streamed to all who can't make it in person. This year, the weather was beautiful and the crowd was big and enthusiastic. I had hoped to make it in person, as I have for several other years, but it's a long drive from New Haven, and when I realized I could watch and record it from home, that's what I decided to do. Indigenous folks come from all over the U.S. and beyond, including Canada and Mexico. I've included just a few of the many speeches that were given that day. Carrying big banners and flags, participants marched from Coles Hill around the small town, stopping at significant points along the way. In past years, it all ended with a big feast at one of the churches in town or nearby. But due to COVID, this year organizers handed out box lunches. My excerpts start with the longtime co-leader of the United American Indians of New England, the sponsor of the event. My name is Matoe Monroe, by the way, I'm co-leader of United American Indians of New England. I wanted to tell you what the program is today and then make some remarks. We're going to have Juan Gonzalez, who will bring a statement to us from the Council of Maya Elders. Juan has traveled all the way, and Juan has traveled all the way up here from Mexico to be with us here today, which is amazing. Um, and we have a message from Leonard Peltier that will be read by Herbie Waters IV, who is Wampanoag and is the grandson of Herb Waters Jr., who was here for many years, year after year, leading the march, dancing in front of the march, and um, always reading the Peltier statement. So we're so happy that Herbie is, is continuing his family legacy in honor of his grandfather and of Leonard Peltier. And then there will be Justine Tiba, and Justine is here with a, a, a group from the Red Nation, and we welcome them. Um, we're glad that they're here with us. Uh, Nick Estes and Melanie Yazi were here several years ago, and we're able to speak, and we're glad that a new crew has come up with us today, and uh, we're, we're always with you, you know? Um, and then we're going to march after that down at, by Plymouth Rock. You know, this crowd is amazing. There are people from a lot of different indigenous nations here, and it gives us strength to be together today. I also have to note that we have, we have uh, people who came from New York today, um, largely from the Haitian and uh, Puerto Rican diaspora community, Taina. <laughs> Boricua, 
and we love having them here. They bring amazing energy, and we're so grateful that they like get up crazy early in the morning to take a bus and, and be here with us. We want to acknowledge that our Palestinian siblings who are here today. Holy smoke, I'm just looking out at the crowd how big it is. <laughs> it's, it's real, we have a lot of people here. <laughs> We're grateful as always to be here with our black siblings because our liberation is intertwined with yours. And, and with our Asian, South Asian, Latine, and white allies who are all here with us today. Thank you so much. You know, it's important for you to be here in solidarity with indigenous struggles. And, you know, I think we get so separated in these times. I think the, the dominant culture here separates us. And, you know, people really yearn to be in relation with each other and with the earth. And that is what we need in order to address the destructive systems that are hurting so many of us. I want to thank the ASL interpreters, and we want to welcome the deaf the members of the deaf community who are here with us in person, and all of those who will be watching on live stream. We also send big hearts to our kitchen crew. We were not able to have a sit-down social yet because of ongoing COVID but they have made box lunches that everybody will be able to get at the end of after we finish the march and the final rally and we also know that we have some workers here today from starbucks and other places who have been fighting hard to unionize their workplaces and we support them you know we have we have a lot of positive things happening in our communities, but this Thanksgiving Day is a day of mourning. We start out by acknowledging that a lot of people today are feeling pain from the violence that their communities are experiencing. In particular, we embrace and are part of the LGBTQ plus two-spirit and trans communities that are so under attack and are grieving the loss of family right now at Club Q in Colorado. As usual, we have a lot of things to talk about at National Day of Mourning. Some of our speakers today are indigenous people whose nations are on the front lines of the climate crisis as are indigenous peoples in multiple continents, suffering from floods, extreme heat, melting, the impact on animals and fish and plants. Land bases are disappearing and traditional cultural practices are being devastated by this. Despite this happening, climate conferences such as COP27 continue to have way too much useless talk without the necessary commitment and immediate action required to properly address what is happening. And they continue to largely exclude indigenous people and voices. Everywhere, indigenous peoples are resisting mega dams, lithium mines, copper mines, coal mines, 
gold mines, oil and gas pipelines, fracking, and so many other destructive projects. Many native communities do not have safe drinking water, often due to industrial and military pollution, such as what has happened in Hawaii because of the US Navy. So we say today, hands off our land and water. Stop destroying our planet. Right now, many of us native people in this, in this country, really all of us, are closely watching the attacks on the Indian Child Welfare Act, also referred to as ICWA, which is intended to protect indigenous children from being removed from their communities. The Supreme Court ICWA appeal is backed by energy companies and evangelicals. They are viciously attacking indigenous sovereignty, our nations, and our families in an effort to steal yet more indigenous land and return to the days when about a third of indigenous children were being taken away from their homes and tribal communities to be adopted into non-native families. Along with concerns about ICWA is the blunt fact that native children are at least four times more likely to be in foster care with those numbers even much higher in some areas. We continue to join with those demanding the identification and return of the remains of thousands of indigenous children who died at the residential schools and boarding schools, so-called schools. Schools shouldn't have graveyards sponsored by Canada and the United States in order to kill the Indian and the child and destroy indigenous communities. So we say today, hands off our children. We acknowledge that the current widespread attacks on reproductive rights affect all potential child bearers. We also point out that a reproductive rights crisis has existed for decades for indigenous women, long before the overturn of Roe v. Wade. That crisis includes a lack of support to be able to bear and bring up children with decent food and housing and without having them stolen by settler agencies. It includes the need for free and safe abortion, and we cannot forget the former gover government practice of sterilizing indigenous women and girls without consent, something that is still known to happen in Canada and that has happened in other countries as well. That is genocide. We point out that violence against indigenous women, girls, trans and two-spirit people is rampant, the very highest rates. Our relatives continue to be stolen from us and killed, including right here in Massachusetts. So we say today, hands and laws off our bodies. <laughs> Museums and other institutions around the country, from Harvard to Berkeley, 
continue to hold onto our ancestors, by which I mean skeletal remains, skulls, hair, funerary items, and more. The, the Native American Graves Protection and Repatriate, Repatriation Act, NAGPRA, needs to be strengthened and all of our ancestors returned now. We cannot rest until that happens. So we say today, hands off our ancestors. Year after year, we stand on this hill and demand an end to the colonial borders. We demand that ICE be abolished and that Customs and Border Patrol stop detaining undocumented migrants. We think, we think not only of the tribal nations whose homelands have been divided by the arbitrary settler colonial border, but also of the many thousands of indigenous and other people impacted by U.S. policies that have led them to flee their home countries, and of the Haitian and other relatives who are denied entry or deported by border control. So we say, hands off our relatives. There are many important struggles happening right now that we won't have time to touch upon today. So I'm going to ask you to spend some time after today following United American Indians of New England and other indigenous-led organizations on social media and also start reading indigenous media because you're not going to learn anything from white reporters at the New York Times. I say that because it's 2022 and the New York Times still ha does not have a single native reporter on its staff. So, but we want you to learn more about indigenous movements here and internationally and what you can do to support them. So please try to educate your yourself further after today. We're, we really do a lot of education, all of our organizations. So please take advantage of that. You know, everywhere there are calls for land back and reparations. Our ancestors always taught us to demand the return of our lands. It is not a new idea. The land and water are in our blood and bones, part of our bodies, and we have never forgotten that. So ensuring that indigenous peoples around the world can manage the land and water is documented to be much better for the earth. As part of urgently needed first steps, not last steps, but first steps to achieve justice and address climate change, let's ensure that no projects can go through any indigenous nation's land without free, prior, and authentic informed consent. It's time to cancel the leases, the pipelines, the mining, and the corporate contracts and start over. Take all of the land that is currently being mismanaged by settler governments, such as the national parks, and hand it over to indigenous nations to caretake that land. That would mean the restoration of millions of acres it would also mean the end of the desecration of sac sacred sites such as the Black Hills. Land back needs to happen internationally. 
Okay, let's move on with our program. Thank you. That was Matoe Monroe, co-leader of the United American Indians of New England. Next is Justine Tiba from the Red Nation, coming up from New Mexico. I'm also um, want to say that I've been a member of the Red Nation since fall 2018, and it's been a, such a blessing and honor to participate in the struggle. We struggle for our people and our lands and all of our relations so that we can one day live dignified lives together. So long as we struggle for the liberation of our land and people, we get to keep our humanity. And uh, I'll talk a little bit about the Red Nation and um, like our political goals and our hopes and dreams for a revolutionary indigenous future. Uh, we wrote the Red Deal collectively. This book is divided up into three. How, how, many, how many people read the Red Deal here? Sheesh. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, the Red Deal, it's, a, um, it's not an opposition to the Green New Deal. It's kind of a response to it because the Green New Deal, it picks up where the Green New Deal lacks, and that's it, that we center indigenous people in the Red Deal. We center indigenous sovereignty in the Red Deal. And what it is, it's uh, divided up into three parts. Part one, um, end the occupation. Part two, heal our bodies. Part three, heal our planet. And uh, basically, we just talk... Um, there are four guiding principles to the Red Deal, and that's uh, what creates crisis cannot solve it, what uh, we believe in change from below and to the left, politicians can't do what only mass movements do, and from theory to action. But basically what we're saying is we want to divest from occupational institutions like the U.S. military, which takes up, which takes up the majority of the U.S. budget, and ha we have... We have 80 bases or 800, some 800 military bases all over the world. Imagine if we just shut down one of those. Imagine if we instead, um, instead of children having to uh, hold, hold a bake sale to um, fundraise for their own education, imagine if the U.S. military had to fundraise for their next bomb. And so... And so we believe in divesting from these occupational institutions. We believe in divesting or demilitarization. And we want to reinvest that money into our common humanity and our common future. So that's reinvesting into things like education, housing, water, and um, um, me medical care. And, and all, all the things that, are, that, that will give us dignified lives. And we also advocate... Um, while simultaneously doing this, reinvesting in our planet. Did you know that the U.S. owes us a climate debt? They owe us the restoration of the lands that they took and destroyed. They owe us the cleanup. They have to pay for it, and we fully expect that in the Red Deal. So if you haven't, um, have, if you haven't uh, checked it out already, please uh, get, get the book from Common Notions. You can find the link on our website. But... Um, but yeah, I don't want to take, make this too long, but I just want to remind folks that we're up against the most imperialist power in all of time. We are facing the same struggles of our ancestors, and we are struggling to still keep our nationhood and sovereignty. As it's been said, um, as it's been said before here, you know, right now our children are being threatened by the settler state once again with these Indian Child Welfare Act hearings. And they're trying to take our children because Native children represent an indigenous future. We as indigenous people are being racialized as merely indigenous when we are our own nations with our own citizens. 
And it's that nationhood and that sovereignty that the Red Nation believes in. In the Red Deal, we talk about the plurinationalism that exists in the Global South. And like our hopes and dreams as the Red Nation, we believe in the plurinationalist state. We believe that all indigenous nations can one day come together and serve our people. And it's not just an Indian problem. We want to take care of all the people because it's... Uh, the, we're facing a climate catastrophe and crisis, and it's not just Indians who are suffering. We want to. We need to reinstate stewardship of the land to those who care for it and those who are the caretakers and keepers of these lands and people, and that's indigenous people all over the world. And we want to. We want. We don't want to seek. Recogni nation recognition from the settler state from the US government we want to see we want to seek we want to seek uh, our recognition from other indigenous nations like those in Palestine those in Bolivia those uh, those in Hawaii like and uh, our nation to nation relationships here in Turtle Island we should all be banding together to create a, an indigenous revolution so that we may see a, a future um, I think I'll stop there because I'll go on forever. <laughs> so I just want to end with until land back, until revolution and liberation in solidarity and love, the Red Nation. That was Justine Teba from the Red Nation. Finally, here's Herbie Waters IV reading Leonard Peltier's annual letter to the Day of Mourning. Peltier has spent 45 years in prison, convicted of involvement in the killing of two FBI agents on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, despite no evidence against him. He has always maintained his innocence. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, before I uh, begin, the statement from Leonard Peltier. I'd just like to acknowledge the fact that I'm doing this because of the legacy of my grandfather, Black Eagle, also known as uh, Dr. Herbert Waters Jr. Yes! <laughs> Greetings, my relatives, friends, loved ones, and supporters. First, I want to say how deeply grateful I am that you would want to hear what I have to say. It's an honor to be with you in spirit, though I am far away, being my age and having spent these many years in prison plays on your heart to the nth degree. I am here because I wanted to make a difference for our people and I want to encourage others to do the same. My heart has not changed and my intentions have not changed. The love and faith I have in our future generation has not changed. All the world now faces the same challenges that our people foretold regarding climate damage being caused by people who take more than they need. Dismissing the teachings of our fathers and the knowledge of countless generations living upon the earth in harmony. I may sound a bit dramatic and sensitive, but after all these years and the 78 journeys around the sun, 
I often feel and think that I should speak my mind and heart to whomever I can, whenever I can. Because at my age, you never know if you are going to live another 20 years or 20 minutes. Our people have been through a lot. Generations have been imprisoned, beaten, murdered, dispossessed of our lands, and they fought so we might live. We are proud of our ancestors. I have tried to make the best of my time upon the earth in my given circumstances. To say the least, this has not been an enjoyable life journey, but I am proud to have been given a chance to stand for our people. I encourage you to do the same. I'm not a speaker, but I have spoken. I am not a leader, but I have led. Having said this, knowing what I know now, feeling what I felt, seeing what I've seen and hearing what I've heard, I would do it all over again. For as our ancestors loved the future for us, I love all people who have walked upon this earth. I recognize her as the greatest manifestation of the Creator and she should be recognized as such. On this day of mourning, I encourage you with a hopeful heart to continue to gather and have ceremony in remembrance of all our people, especially those who have given their lives so that we might live. Each of you has within you the potential to make a difference in the world. Each one of you has the opportunity and ability to do one act of kindness to someone in need and one act to make the earth a better place for all life. I, with the help of others, have started a food forest movement. We encourage all people throughout the earth to plant at least one fruit-bearing tree. So that all the animals and all creatures of the earth will have healthier food, better air, and cleaner water. Forgive me if I've said too much or too little. Time in this place is often irrelevant to the task at hand. May the Creator bless you, your families, and all our peoples of like mind. Peace, love, and blessings. In the spirit of Crazy Horse, Daksha. Leonard Peltier. Thank you. Herbie, by the way, is a student at Boston University. It's wonderful to see all of our indigenous students coming forward to take part in National Day of Mourning, to be leading movements, to be fighting for all of our indigenous peoples. And it's really um, moving that Herbie has taken over for his grandfather in reading this statement every year. The That was Herbie Waters IV reading Leonard Peltier's annual letter to the Day of Mourning. You've been listening to The Forest and the Trees.
global and local perspectives on the environment with your host, Melinda Tuhus. Tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9.30 a.m. here on WPKN 89.5 FM for more environmental news you can use.